Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, a mic on TalkZone.com. Guys, and a mic indeed. Thank you very much, Mr. Announcer Man. Welcome, everybody. Beautiful Monday here, early October, with the big dog and a coach. TalkZone.com, your 24 7 internet source for all of your sports talk, all of your really, you name it, we've got it on the TalkZone.com, 24 7. Different kinds of shows we got lots to talk about today, including, including a big Chicago Bears victory, NFL round them up and wrap them up, college football recap, and We'll bring up the Chicago Marathon, too, as Ethiopia knocks off Kenya in kind of the marathon version of the Riders' Cup. But congratulations to Ethiopia. We're hoping to have a caller or two from Ethiopia check in. Not sure it's going to happen, but we're hoping. A little bit of music, and then we will talk to our football expert, the big dog, Joel Radwanski. Music, please. Month. David Olson, producer extraordinaire on the other side of the glass, another of soon to be award week award winning programming here on the talkzone.com about to begin. He speaks seven different languages, six of them are street cred, and the other reportedly is English. None of them, unfortunately, Ethiopia, but it is. Our football expert and my good friend, the partner on this show, Joel. Radwanski, big dog, how are you? I'm doing spectacular, coach. Whenever uh I pretty much win everything in terms of picks, fantasy, and most importantly, the Bears put a beat down on uh, uh, on a team that they should put a beat down on. Bears! It was a good, good weekend. Oh, my goodness, that was a good weekend. Mm-hmm. By the way, I, I didn't want to jump to conclusions, but I am assuming of your many linguistic abilities, uh, you are not versed in Ethiopian. Did I, did I jump to a correct assumption there? No, Coach, I am trying to learn a little bit of Cantonese, really? but I do not know any uh, okay. Ethiopian. All right, so if we have Mr. Kadebi, the winner of the Chicago Marathon, on as a guest today, you will not be able to help in the translation. No, and I really okay. have no interest to talk to him either. Well, yes, you would. Yes, you Why would, would I have any interest to talk? The guy just won the Chicago Marathon. He's cranking out 430 miles at the 18 mile or 18, 19, 20 mile mark, and he's cracking out 430 miles. Whatever Jake Cutler and Charles Tillman and Timmy Jennings did yesterday, it could not match up to the brilliance of Madabi Kadebi. I would have to completely 100% disagree with that, but. Yeah. All right. Well, it is football talk today, so we'll uh, you know we'll bring up the Chicago Marathon a little bit. But I can tell you are excited about uh, a quality weekend. And if I recall from Friday's show, you were able to watch uh, a plentiful amount of football this weekend, both Saturday and Sunday. It does start off, of course, with our Chicago Bears, uh, a tale of two halves, big dog, and in the second half, one of the best the Bears have played in recent memory. And uh, I guess I guess one of the biggest. Uh complaints about Bears fans, though we don't adjust at halftime. Well, through four games this year, the Bears have done a real good job of adjusting at halftime, because they've played a lot better in the second half than in the first half of a football game. So maybe uh, the the complaints about the coaching staff uh, can can finally be squelched a little bit, 
and uh, all the hating on the offensive line, uh, they played a lot better yesterday. Obviously, not really well, but they played. They're now they're playing at least average, you know, suitable for uh, you know NFL offensive line. But it's just good to be a Bears fan. It was an excellent win yesterday, mm-hmm. and you know, while before, while we're watching this game, uh, while we're watching the Bears game, to have the the cow the, the Packers have already lost to the Indianapolis Colts made the day a lot easier as a Bears fan. You know what I mean? You're like, we really can gain. Except, of course, obviously the Vikings don't. They won. Yeah, no question about it. That's one of many uh, other games we'll be talking about in the NFL round-em-up, wrap-em-up, a dramatic, emotional victory, upset victory for the Indianapolis Colts down, what, 21-3 to at halftime. You talk about halftime adjustments, big dog. 21-3, and they come out in the second half and upset the Packers late. By the way, that winning touchdown... I don't know, did they go to the replay on that baby, the Reggie Wayne, who really was stopped at the yard and a half line? Remember, and then he just... all, all scoring plays go to review them. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know if they're, I don't know if you can have a rule to legislate it, but as a football play, technically that ball may have crossed the line, but, uh, but as a football play, in the normal course of action, that was not a touchdown. Not even close. The coach went in to... Would you why quit being the freaking and whatever you're going to try to be the czar from now on for football? What's right or wrong? Why don't you be right? Reggie Wayne had complete control of the football as he broke it over the no, that, goal line. I, it was a I, touchdown. I agree with that. He had, there was no doubt about the control. Why did he lose the ball? No. Why well, are why, you saying that isn't a touchdown? Why would you mention control? There was no argument about control. Why would you well, have the moronic statement of saying I'll that be, wasn't a touchdown? I will be happy to tell you. It's nice to know, David Olson, that our week stuff start, starts off. We're having a nice conversation. Well, I got him. Mo- that Reggie Wayne's touchdown. Oh, I don't like that. Form no, I don't. He had control of the ball as it broke the goal. When you stop with the, like con- there was no argument about control of the ball. That's not even an issue. So what's what's your point? <laughs> my my so problem what- is. My problem is that the dude caught the ball a yard and a half short of the end zone, and the tackler stopped him right there. And then he swerves around and sticks the football, extends the football out. But meanwhile, the tackler's got him wrapped up. He is stopped at the yard line or yard and a half line, and he sticks the ball out for about a quarter, maybe an eighth of a second, and he pulls it back. I don't know if you can legislate a rule, but again, as a football play instinctually, he got stopped. That's a cheap way to score a touchdown. You got a problem with that? Um, just to let you know, for everybody out there that actually is getting really confused by Coach who doesn't really understand the rules of the game. I understand the rule. It's where the ball is. I understand. I'm not denying that. That's why I said I don't know if so you can legislate. It bothered me. Why confuse everybody? It's very, very simple, everyone. Follow the ball. It, if the guy is not down on the ground, if his forward momentum has not been I, stopped, under, then wherever the ball is is where the ball is at, and I, that matters, not the player. I Don't understand. I didn't. Confusing. It's very simple that way, Coach. It's extremely simple. Big dog. Way. I didn't say they blew the call. By letter of the law, it was correct. What I said. Change it. My point is, you want to change it. No, That's I didn't even fine. say that. Well, I, yeah, I do want to change the rule. I, I, stupid. Don't change the rule. Well, Where my, the ball is that was. Like, what, what would make it a better rule? Actually, well, uh, 
What would make it a better rule than that? That's why I made the com- I didn't even say I want to change the rule. My comment was I wish there was a way, and I didn't. I kind of implied that there probably isn't. It's unfortunate that you could legislate against that kind of play because the rule of the football crossing the line, technically there's nothing wrong with that rule. But in that situation, doesn't bother you at all as a football player that the tackler makes the tackle at the yard line sure. and the guy spins around and sticks he the ball from make a... the tackle. Eh. That's the problem. He what? If he has his arms wrapped up, the guy can't make the play. No, no well, that's, that's he... the difference. Coach, quit, quit making the... No, Why you're not supposed to. Wait, 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 wait. You, when you tackle a receiver, you're not supposed to wrap up his arms. You're supposed to wrap up every single uh, inch of his body and drive through. Drive, keep your legs driving. I don't think that's the. And slam him to the ground. Well, that Packer, first of all, did not wrap up his whole body. Only wrapped up his torso. That was a pretty good Number tackle. Two, and most importantly, he didn't keep his feet driving. I am not blaming a technicality well, of a rule. I'm not. I'm not I don't know about that. It was a pretty. I'm not saying it was perfect, but it was a pretty darn good tackle. He gave no ground. Reggie Wayne gained no. After he caught the ball, there was no forward surge outside of the spin. And stick the ball out. I, you know, I don't know if anybody still, out there. Still, that's a forward movement. Okay, so don't right. tell me he didn't have any forward movement. Okay. If he totally stopped him, Reggie Wayne wouldn't have been able to twist and 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 put the ball over the line of scrimmage. Oh, right. Over the to complain about this I'm, way to start a, a great well, week. Well, and night. again, I did. I wasn't making a big deal of it. I made the comment, and it did bother me a little bit as a football player. Keep in mind, I was rooting for Indianapolis, so it's not like I had a rooting interest in rooting for the. Um, the Packers. So it, the, the call went against the team. Whatever. It's just not to make a big deal. David Olsen, are you with me at all? A little bit? Did you see the play I'm talking about? Stuff like that doesn't bother you when they stick the ball out? It is what it is, Coach. I can live with it. Yeah, that's cool. Well, okay, but I feel at least I feel a little bit of. And, and no matter what you say, if the Packer actually wraps him up, including his arms, the play's over yeah. with. All right. All right, moving back to the Bears game. And by the way, 888-463-6748 is our phone number here on the two guys. Anna Mike showed Big Dog Radwanski and uh, the coach with you right up until 11 o'clock, talking a lot of football today. We'll sneak in a little uh, celebration to the fine country of Ethiopia, which swept the Chicago Marathon. Uh, again, the phone number 888-463-6748. Uh, we were talking about the second half. The Bears played Big Dog 3-3 three to three at the half, and the final score Forty-one to three, and I, I my favorite comment after the game, I heard somebody say Rod Marinelli should be a candidate right now for offensive coach of the year. Yeah, that's isn't that a, the statement? <laughs> I remember a few people complaining about Rod Marinelli being hired. Oh, he's from an zero and sixteen. Why are they bringing a loser coach in here? Well, I know they brought him in here. This guy is a good football coach. He was extremely hungry to prove that he's not an zero and sixteen type guy. I, I, I coach he. He's the best assistant coach the Bears have had since since uh, Buddy Ryan, and maybe I'm going overboard. Mm-hmm. But if Dave Tobe, maybe the special teams coach, is the other guy, only other guy that can compare, because was that honestly, four four defensive touchdowns last two games? The same two guys. Have Have you got the stat yet? Have we figured out if that's the first time it's ever happened in the history of the NFL that two players had returns for touchdowns in consecutive games? It is. It is the first time. It ever. is. Yes. That is. Please, more. I want. We need the Bears' defense needs more first time ever in the history of the NFL stats this year. That's really cool that it happened. If they and, did and the voting guys. right now, defensive player of the year in the NFL, two Bears would be in the top five, and one of them, by the way, is not Charles Tillman. And Tillman's no. having 
a near all pro year. Who would the two be right now, Big Dog? It, it, it has to be Tim Jennings is definitely one of them, and and and, and you're not. I don't think you're going to agree with us because his stats don't say it. But uh, I mean, if you just give Lance Briggs, he's got a, he's averaging eight tackles a game and he's got two touchdowns, so you know that could be it. But Julius Peppers is still their best football player. Well, but but and go, go back to the don't say it, but. Oh, so you're saying Julius Peppers would be an MVP uh, candidate right now? No, you know what? You're good. Because of stats, so you have to prove it statistically. Then it would like Tim Jennings or Lance so Briggs. Those those are my two guys. A lot of people would say, right. oh, it's you know Briggs or Peppers or, or Charles Tillman. No, right now, two of the top five NFL defensive MVPs, Tim Jennings and Tillman's playing great. Near all pro, but Jennings is making a lot more tackles. Also, if you talk about the defensive breakups, big dog, something we complained about in the past, why can't the bear defensive back? Can you ever step in front of a receiver and actually knock the ball down? We had a problem doing that for a couple of Tim Jennings got a bunch of those this year. Great to see. Jennings and Briggs have been two of the top players so far in the entire NFL. And it, okay, so Tim Jennings uh, is tied with the NFL lead with interceptions with, uh, uh, Deku of of the Atlanta Falcons coach, but how many? I don't think Deku has as many tip passes this yep. year. And two of Tim Jennings' tip passes. Yep. Ask Major Wright what happened to him. Mm-hmm. One of them returned for a touchdown by Major Wright, and the other one in the in the yeah. Dallas game, uh, he got another interception from. Yeah. So like yeah. Tim Jennings has a direct copy. Six interceptions this year. He has a direct play into, which is pretty good. And he closes and tackles too. For a little guy, he hits. And tackles extremely well. Do you remember how hungry he played when he came out? Yeah. Do you, do you, and it took them, I'm not saying he was going to be an all-pro level cornerback his whole time, but yep. there's a couple players that you see just play a little bit, and they're explosive, and they make plays. Tim Jennings was like that immediately with the Bears. Mm-hmm. You know, Corey Graham was like that always with the Bears, but they never gave him a chance to play. That's the That's one of the... You know, there's been guys that, you know, you, you see out there and you hope and you cross your fingers, oh, they're a second-round draft pick and they end up being nothing. Well, from now on, I mean, just get the hungriest players they possibly can get. And that's how Tim Jennings plays. Like, he has something to prove mm-hmm. every single game for the Chicago Bears. Yep, yep. Uh, not to brag, because we've been wrong probably a lot more times than we've been right, Big Doe, but even when others uh, were not even mentioning him and he was kind of a, 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 an afterthought, if you will, in a mediocre, slightly above-average bear defense, we were on the Tim Jennings. You know what? This guy's this guy's better than you think, folks. Number twenty-six can play. I didn't know anything about Tim Jennings when he came to the Bears a couple of years ago, but you know the dude can play. Little guy, but he can hit, and he yeah. can play. Yeah, and he makes a great play on the ball. Yep. You know, play the. This is the NFL 2012. You can't touch the receiver. You have to have you have to find defensive backs who can make plays on the football, not plays on the player. And if you get guys like that, you're going to, first of all, have less penalties, which is, seems to be just crazy. You know, I, I, if you think about that, the way defensive back penalties are called nowadays, the Bears have done a phenomenal job of not getting a lot of penalties called on them this year. Mm-hmm. And so that must mean they're doing something right because they're still defending the pass pretty well. It's not like they're not getting penalties because they're not physical, they're not doing the job. They're mm-hmm. doing the job. 4-1, tied for first place. Defense has been outstanding, really, from the get-go this year. Very few uh, malfunctions for the Bear defense. The offense a little bit more inconsistent. Not real good in the first half, but Big Dog in the second half, absolutely outstanding. Cutler on target. Uh, you know, he and Marshall, my goodness. I mean, 
the ultimate compliment. The other team knows they're going to throw the ball to Brandon Marshall. And Jay Cutler and Brandon Marshall said, we don't care. We're still throwing. And he had 13 catches. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad to see the 13-catch game was against, like, the Jaguars in a blowout. I, I don't want them to lose in a game because they go to Marshall too much. I, I'd much rather see a lot more spread mm-hmm. the field around. But now, all of a sudden, the whole rest of the league is like, are you kidding me? They went to – I think he had exactly 12 catches for 144 yards, which is 12 yeah. yards on he was targeted. I think targeted like seventeen or eighteen times. And yeah, and he was. And some of those, there were a lot of third and sevens that uh, Brandon Marshall ran an in cut for a fifteen yard gain. It was just like, and the Bears had options at like seven. You know what I mean? It's like they were running actual offensive plays that were geared to get first downs on third down. Mm-hmm. It was it was fun to be a Bears fan. I was like, you know what? Even if that wasn't completed, they were at least attempting to go downfield. And be aggressive. And with their defense, they can be aggressive. Yep. Oh, my goodness. It's, uh, yep. It was one of the best games you could have. Because at halftime, I'm, I wasn't worried, Coach. I was just bothered. So I'm like, please don't turn this into the stupid. We all knew. We were all worried it could be a trap game. Every single Bears fan that knew anything about football was worried about it. And all of a mm-hmm. sudden, at halftime, we're like in the middle of the trap game. Yeah. But like you said, second half, they got it turned out. Well, that drive to start the second half was, uh, I'm not going to call it a championship drive. That's a bit much, but let's call it an extremely professional drive that a winning team needs to do. That was that set the tempo for the whole second half. Yeah, like, you know, when the whole, what ends up happening, you know how football players are. When they come in at halftime, you're like, we should be killing these guys. We're so much better than them. Let's get our together. Well, you can yell all that when you come into halftime, which I'm sure somebody did on each side of the ball. But when you walk out, you actually have to prove it, and they mm-hmm. did with that drive. coach. Picked up some big third-down plays. Matt Forte, uh, again, I'll use the word uh, not championship, but extremely effective professional performance, big dog. He's just uh, he's a pure running back. Again, he didn't break any superhuman runs, but 22 carries, 107 yards, just a real solid performance by Forte. Yeah, and Matt Forte seeming to enjoy watching Michael Bush get off in the middle of the field. If you notice that, it was like Forte, it was like he was smiling when Michael Bush was, uh, when he got his turn, and that's good to see. You know, Matt Forte has been the man here, and he's been the only guy in our offense mm-hmm. for years. And now all of a sudden he's got Brandon Marshall uh, to take away some of the, the it factor of why the Bears are, are good on offense all of a sudden this year, or possibly can be good. Mm-hmm. And he's sharing carries with Michael Bush. And, and like, we worried, like, I worried early on about it because we couldn't tell if the quote, if he really was serious about giving up touchdowns in the goal line. I don't think we have to worry about any of that. And all of a sudden the Bears really could have a, a capable one-two punch. Man, is it nice to have, like, a legit starting running back come in when the defense is exhausted? And, and Matt Forte is the one who leaves the field to bring a Michael Bush on. How about I mean, that's, the, a, that's a lot for a defense to, to deal with, Coach. Did you catch the Lambo leap, if you will, of Michael Bush right over the defender? No, I didn't see that. Yeah, you know, and again, Michael Bush kind of a power runner. I mean, I'm still learning his game a little bit, but I was completely thrown off guard. It was on the uh, they were headed from the left side of the TV screen to the right, so that would have been the second half. Bush on the right side of the field, and a defender comes up to him. Maybe a couple of defenders in traffic. Four or five yard gain, and he leaps over the defender, and they showed it back and replay. He got some solid vertical, picked up another four or five yards. That was a little added athleticism. Huh? 
Huh? How did I miss that play? I sat here and watched the whole game. Yeah, and again, well, I don't know. It was like yeah, I don't know. I it was like that. late third quarter, but just a little bit of athleticism that I didn't know Michael Bush had. Now I don't know if Jeremy Bates, the offensive uh, coach, Mike Tice, the offensive coordinator. I don't know if they listen to our show, Big Dog. My uh, inside sources tell me that on occasion, with the dog coming in, they'll you know on a Monday morning they'll have the ears pecked open a little bit. They'll catch some of what we said. So if they're listening, tell me this though: is uh, defensive teams are going to start to take away? The slants by Brandon Marshall. They're just not going to accept it. They're going to look to jump in front and pick that pass off. I would think we are well set up at the proper time now. If we get protection for a slant up the middle, pump fake, and then go. And Brandon Marshall could have like 15 yards of open space. Yeah, the, the slant and go should definitely be available for the, for the off, Bears. And, off of the pump yeah. fake, right? Yeah. And that's all dependent on whether or not the offensive line can start yes. blocking with some consistency. Yeah. So. But I would think defensive backs are going to get, you know, they're going to watch tape of this game and a couple others say, you know, this is this is ridiculous. They're throwing everything in front of us. They're going to want to start jumping the pass. So Cutler's got to be careful of that. And I think the pump fake can be a big factor down the road, again, if he gets protection time to throw that. Yeah, and if they're going to run the ball effectively, Two things. First of all, if they do run the ball effectively, take advantage of getting the ball down the field in safe situations anyways. Take some risks 20, 30, 40 yards down the field when you know you don't have a chance to get intercepted because they're they're playing the run, the crowd in the box. And another thing, if you really do want to run and crowd the box, you got to throw it down. The, it goes hand in hand. you got to get the ball down the field to, to loosen the defense up a little bit. And uh, that, that was probably my only complaint is, mm-hmm. yeah, they're like, but, you know, yesterday when you're basically in a situation where you're like, Blaine Gabbert and a really good running game is not going to be able to score on us. So let's just not do anything. Let's not make any mistakes on offense. And I have no problem with that whatsoever when you win 41-3, to three, Coach. Yeah. By the way, Blaine. Three, that was a perfect, perfect offensive game plan. Uh, email coming in, by the way, from an emailer uh, going by the name of Mama Tice. How do you like that? Mama Tice saying, thank you, Coach, for the suggestion. I will pass it on to Mikey. And then there's a dot, 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 and she says, uh, tell Joel I also agree with you on the uh, Packer play. It was a cheap touchdown. Thank you, Mama Tice. Now that should be agreeing with you if you thought it was a cheap touchdown. Yeah. Hey, Blaine Gabbard, by the way. If I were I a Jacksonville, if I were a Jacksonville scout right now, I'd be spending a lot of time. A lot of time getting background information and scouting personnel on college quarterbacks right now. Could Blaine Gabbard? Woo! Not good. Simply you know, put, uh, not good. Yeah, that's 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 no surprise whatsoever. Uh, that was your guy. Don't forget. What? Yes, you what? liked Blaine Gabbard coming out I, of Missouri. Don't even, don't even, don't no, even. No, no, I like. No, no, I liked him at Missouri. I'm not sure I liked him coming out, and I didn't think he'd be a starting quarterback. This quick, but whatever. What I thought in the past doesn't matter. He is not ready for prime time. By the way, we're all we're all of us are wrong about when quarterbacks are supposed to start because from now on they're supposed to start as rookies because this is the new era of the NFL. Yes. So you know how like they'd always sit on the bench for a couple of years, yep. learn how to hold a clipboard, then they'd learn how to hold a football, then they you know well that is that's different now. Now they play as their first since Peyton Manning did it. That's what you do now. You pay you play from game one. Yep. 
Andrew Luck, victory yesterday. Ryan Tannehill, victory yesterday. Brandon Whedon did not get a victory, right, for the Cleveland Browns? No, the Cleveland Browns. I know I know I was going to do an NFL roundup of wrapping up, but the Cleveland Browns blew a 14 to nothing lead. Wow. They kicked they kicked to the Giants and at 14.08 had a 7 nothing lead and by 10.05 had a 14 nothing lead. And uh, they got blown out, Coach, was basically. Not the bad. Giants covered the spread. <laughs> the Giants are now 14, and they covered a 12-point spread, is the best way I can put it. By the way, speaking of covering the spread, talk about bouncing back. Now, uh, last week, I had you down for 2-0. and Is that correct? For Beat the Smoes. I don't Smokes. know what I was last week. I don't okay. know what I was. Beat the I, Smoes, football picks. You were 2-0 and last week. Big dog, the results have you tabulated. You went undefeated 3-0 and this week against the spread. Yeah, I went three. It was good. And I actually picked games that I cared about instead of just taking Florida International versus Louisiana Tech. Yep. So after a I, dismal. I wasn't going to watch. Dismal. I wasn't going to watch games this week. I did, though. And all of them were, like, easy. They were all easy wins, Coach. Well, I don't know about that. Wisconsin to cover the 14 against Illinois was a little tight. Oh, yeah, that was a tough one. And yeah. I felt bad because I was really rooting for Illinois the whole entire time. But yep. I, I, I kind of felt it. Mm-hmm. All right, David Olson came back down to earth and decided to spend a little bit of time with the rest of us uh, peons and in, in 500sville, and he went one and two, and I had a semi-respectable big dog two and one. So a little uh, little reversal action for you and me this week. You know, I, the, I, not to rub it in at all, but I knew the the Ravens Chiefs game was a trap game for. Uh, for David Olson. Now he goes three and zero every week, so he's going to fall into a trap game every once in a while when things just look so obvious to him. But the the, the Chiefs basically losing ugly to the to the Ravens, I think, had the writing on the wall, and that was the worst game in the NFL this week. After all, even a nine six game, which you think would be exciting near the end, I was watching that game. Oh my goodness, I wanted to puke. That was some horrible <laughs> stuff going on. Oh goodness! I mean, By the way, like it was great defense. It was like offenses like dropping passes, and it was just like, wow! Come on, guys, you're in the NFL. Yeah. Play, play a little sharper than this. I heard ugly, ugly incident. A lot of the Chiefs players not happy with it. Matt Cassell gets uh, injured, concussed late in the game, and the, as he's being led off the field, the Chiefs fans, or I guess when he's on the ground, the Chiefs fans were cheering. Not cool. Baby. Yeah. Under any circumstances, not cool at all. Their best offensive player besides Jamal Charles is uh, Eric Winston, their offensive tackle, the kid from Tennessee. And he complained about it. But I thought there's been a lot of Chief fans twittering. Like, I was at the game, and there was an extremely small amount of idiots Good. who were actually screaming yeah. for Matt Castle yeah. when he got hurt. They were, like, extremely small. A lot of people come out and said this. And then emphatically said that the, the loud cheer was for Brady Quinn, who we've been wanting okay. to play all year anyway. Good. I have a lot more confidence in the Kansas City fans than uh, than that, so I'm glad to hear that. By the way, speaking of getting I'm sure up... I'm somebody from Philadelphia has moved to Kansas City over the last 20 years. <laughs> Man, probably more than a couple. Okay. <clears throat> By the way, one uh, probably the biggest negative of the Bear game for me was, uh, you know, I'm all psyched to sit down, have the game on tape, of course, as usual. I get the tape right to the start of the little pregame, all set to watch the ball game about 7 o'clock last night. Got all my food in front of me, and the first thing I see is the temperature report. 88 degrees, humidity index 102 degrees. And you know what the next thing they showed on the screen, Big Dog? They, uh, did they show Israeli Adonijah with the smoke coming off the head? <laughs> worse. Worse. They went down to Tony Siragusa with a, I mean, a big-time close-up. 
and you could see the sweat on the face. Then they backed up the camera a little bit. He's got, he's got sweat stains on the chest, under the pits. You could see the beads of sweat. I was like, I, I said, boy, I'm in for a long game if this is the way we're starting out. I didn't need to see that much of a close-up of the goose in 88 degrees. The, the play that I've missed that you're talking about when Michael Bush happened immediately after a Siragusa cutting, because as soon as he gets on the television, we just change his channel. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I don't yeah. need to see him. He, I don't need to have him. You know what he's going to say before he even says it. It's, it's, it's pretty bad. He started, he, he's like chiming in a lot while he's down on the field, more than the regular sideline guy, right? I would have to say yes, he does. Part of the does. problem is I never know. Maybe it's just me, but I, I never know if it's him. Or uh, what's it, Daryl Garrett? Who's the who is the color announcer who works with him? Is it Daryl Johnson that does? Yeah, yeah. Game? So I I never I can't tell if it's Daryl Johnson or if it's the goose from the sidelines making the comments. But no, I could definitely tell. Sometimes I can't. I, uh, I can tell because just from what they say, not how they. But you're right; they do have similar voices. Mm-hmm. But their uh, goose is trying to be funny the whole entire. Uh, Three hours, coach. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, at any rate, 41-3, to big win for the Bears. They head into bye week, big dog. No game on Sunday, so they got two weeks to uh, lavish in the love of that particular victory, 41-3. to Again, I think uh, I think fairly safe to say one of the better second halves, one of the better halves of football that we've seen from Chicago Bear football in recent years. I mean, the second half was almost perfection. Yeah, exactly. The only thing that could have made it better if it was they were playing the the Vikings or the Packers this season. Yep. You know what I mean? So it's exactly they they didn't play that good of a team. Let's not crown them uh, as NFL champs just yet. But that's exactly what we wanted to see out of them in the second half. That's awesome. Mama Tice is emailed in again. Two comments says Mama Tice. One tell Joel to stuff it. That's the first comment, and then uh, comment number two. Please ask Joel. Or uh, what about uh, Devin Hester's catch, which was brilliant? We haven't even mentioned that. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a pretty nice catch. Uh, he's got decent hands. He just needs to be the better route runner and, and anticipate where people are are covering him a little bit better. But uh, he seems to go after the football. He'll catch the ball for you mm-hmm. uh, when he's wide open. And it's a really really easy catch is when we have to worry about Devin Hester when he has to come back to the ball and use his hands. It's always good. Well, he has to think about it for a minute. It's not so good. But, that, yeah, that catch was excellent. And uh, uh, for a second, I thought they might have a chance to, over, uh, to uh, what's called overturn it, but they did, and he definitely had control all the way mm-hmm. through. Alshon Jeffrey uh, on the touchdown catch injured. We're waiting for a medical report. Uh, that one could be could be one of those deals where he could be out a couple of weeks, so we'll see about that. Hopefully, Earl Bennett coming back. But right now, everything looking good for our beloved Chicago Bears. Big Dog, we have a... NFL, round them up, wrap them up. A lot of interesting games yesterday. Before we uh, move to that, though, I know you've got pages and pages of notes over there. Anything we haven't got to on the Bears game that you'd like to bring up for myself and Mama Tice and all the other listeners? Yeah, why do we have to go two consecutive Sundays without the Chicago Bears? I, I think it's a – I don't understand having a Monday night game after your bye week. Shouldn't you have, like, a Monday night game then the bye week? Yep. You know, just stuff like that. You go on Thursday, then you go on the bye week. Like, shouldn't they have schedules a little bit more convenient for the for the players and the fans? Mm-hmm. We got two consecutive Sundays without Bears football. Next week, bye week, they don't play, and then the next week after that, it's going to be a Sunday without Bears football as they play on Monday night. Yeah, I couldn't agree that, with that, you more. 
Who's the, the Monday yeah, night game is against my routine? Yeah, Sorry. yeah, and a lot of people's routine. I think the NFL should be more conscious of that. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, no, it's all no, about the TV. Your bye week. That's you play. You play your Monday night game before you go into your bye week. Stuff like that. Who is the Monday night game against? Is that the Houston game or? No, it's going to be a big game. It's a divisional game. It's at home against Detroit. Wow. So that's, uh, you know, I mean, it's a divisional game. And if you're, if they're going to be battling the Vikings and the Packers, the, there's a really good chance there might be a tie. You have to win divisional games. So I know you don't like the whole must win, but yeah, this is, this game's important. This playing Detroit's a real important mm-hmm. game. And to finish Detroit off to give them no hope to come back this season is also an uh, important thing. No truth to the rumor that they've changed their name to the underachieving. Detroit Lions, because that... no, no, they had they, they don't want to go back. They've already been the underachieving Detroit Lions before, so we have to think about how, the usual Detroit Lions is what they've gone back to. Mm-hmm. What we what the expected Detroit Lions is kind of what you know. And Damian Sue, the beast that uh, you know, I used to just talk about how unbelievable he was. He has had one tackle in each of his last eight games. He has eight tackles in eight games. And one in every game. But they've That's been it. they've been brilliant tackles though. Oh yeah, they're they, while he <laughs> usually puts a knee in a guy's throat as he's getting up. You know, oh, gives the guy man. a wet willy. Yeah, no doubt. And then he <laughs> then he reminds everybody that he's the baddest dude on the planet, which which he is, except uh you know he becomes the baddest dude on the planet for about thirty seconds of football game. <laughs> Speaking of that, by the way, I'm not sure again if it was Goose. Or Daryl Johnston. I'm not sure which one, but a little bit. I don't even know if they meant it that way, but a little bit of a shot at Brian Urlacher last night where they saw Urlacher high-fiving. I don't know if you heard this comment or not, and basically the announcer said, that, folks, is what Brian Urlacher has turned into. He used to be the one getting the high-fives. Now he's the high-fiver. This is what the announcer says as uh, his stats for the game. Two tackles and one high-five. I think that's what the comment was. Yeah. Uh, I really, it, it's funny because the previous, I've said almost exactly the same thing previous to that about two plays earlier. I was like, Burlacker continues to get blocked and the Bears continue to play really good defense. So mm-hmm. when he finally starts getting up to game level, don't forget he didn't practice yet. He really hasn't practiced. So I, I, I still think there's, there is definite room for uh, improvement in Brian Urlacher's game. Right at this point, right now, all he does is get everybody aligned properly, and then everybody else makes the plays. That's yep. they, he's like uh, the the conductor of the orchestra right now. Yep. A little bit of the love in Chicago, a little bit wearing off of a Brian Urlacher, just a touch. And Big Dog, you've been a man that uh, physically and by facial look have uh, at times been misinterpreted for Brian Urlacher. Now that he's slumping a little bit, have you noticed? You're getting a little bit less love from the uh, females of the city of Chicago. Uh, you know what? I, I have spent so much time in, in Chinatown. <laughs> yes. I'm actually in Aurora this morning. I missed my train last night wow. because I didn't realize the trains I, on, on Sunday night are totally different in Aurora going back. And so it's, it's 12, like 10, and I'm waiting for the train, and I'm like, there's nobody here. I was like, there's lights. The lights are out in the building. I checked my phone and found out that there's no 1020 and 1220 oh trains. There's only there's only an 1120 train, which I obviously had missed at this point. Wow! Just because I wanted to sit at home and watch as much football and baseball as possible, I ended up missing a freaking train. Uh, that, so now I'm in Aurora doing the show right now, and I got to get back to go to work this afternoon. So 
So you are calling from the palatial estates. It's been a while in Aurora, Illinois. Interesting. How's things, uh, the, the, what do you call it? The, uh, international, international house of whatever you got. United Nations. Yes, the United United Nations. Nations. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's been going phenomenal. Okay. Uh, down here, yeah, it's, uh, uh, we'll probably still be able to live in this house for at least a couple more years. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Could be a, we might have to have a party out there at some point. I gotta tell you, we're gonna have a bash. We're gonna have one that's like unlike any party that's ever happened in, in the state or in the city of Aurora. <laughs> I'm not, we're gonna have a Tejano <laughs> band. My buddy Tomas is gonna be making, uh, Mexican food that you don't understand. Wow. Coach. And uh, we... hopefully he'll bring all of his daughters. <laughs> Can we have a, a contest and invite one of the lucky listeners to this party? No, no, they're all, everybody's invited, not one. Oh! Everyone is invited. Open party! Yes. Wow. I've done it one time here before, and about 500 people came. It was like the first like two weeks that we moved into the house. It was after that we couldn't have parties like that anymore. Me and David Olson, Randy Myers have a pencil and notepad in hand. Do we have a date set for this open party? Yes. Uh, it's going to be January 7th. We're going to be out back. It's going to be an outdoor party. Woo! Wow. And, uh, Tomas will be cooking food. Excellent. January 7th. Got it down on the calendar already, Big Dog. Thank you very uh, much. The Hotel Intercontinental Bowl is going to be happening that day. <laughs> oh, darn. The day before the national championship. That's all right. I'll, I'll put it on tape. All right. 888-463-6748. If you're interested in going to Big Dog's party or, God forbid, you actually want to talk some sports with the dog and the coach, dial it up. Happy to get you on, talk a little football with you here in a weekend that was Monday here in the Two Guys in a Mic show. 888-463-6748. The phone number. Real quick, Big Dog. NFL round em up, wrap em up. Pretty good. Pretty good uh, Sunday of NFL games. New England, the Patriot over Denver. The Bronco, 31 to 21, your two Hall of Fame quarterback, Brady against, uh, Peyton Manning. It was Tom Brady. He was the master at one point. I think New England was up 31 to 7. The Patriots getting back on track. Yeah. And, uh, the Patriots doing it with the running game coach, uh, uh, Stephen Ridley and, uh, this, the, the Alex Bolden kid getting it done for the, for the Patriots, they're running the ball and really creating open and, mis- and mismatches with their tight ends. My son um, told me at the, the, his fantasy draft, you know, I, I got a good one. He said they got a surprise pick, but I think he's pretty good in Stephen Ridley. I, I wouldn't know Stephen Ridley if he walked by me right now, football uniform or non-football uniform. Who? I know he's having a heck of a season, but who and or what is Stephen Ridley, big dog? Uh, rookie, doesn't fumble the ball, and if you're – and you know he doesn't fumble the ball because he was the kid at LSU who LSU would get a 10 nothing lead and then they would hand the ball to him about 90 times over the rest of the game and then they would end up winning 10 to nothing. Is he a rookie? That was a kid from LSU. Is he a rookie? Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. He was, uh, the kid can play coach. Hmm. The only reason why you don't know him is because the best running backs in the, in the SEC have been basically from Alabama, like, Trent Richardson and Mark Ingram. So the guy wasn't even first team all conference, but he was awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. We should mention a little bit of a breakout party for Wes Walker, too. He caught 13 of Tom Brady's passes, New England rolling. Uh, yeah, you just said a, a breakout party for Wes Walker. He was leading the NFL in yards receiving before the game. You sure about that? Yeah, that he was, no, excuse me, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say leading. Because uh, Brian Hartline was, was leading, but Wes Walker was. Averaging 90 yards a game, uh, 
receiving, mm-hmm. which is just crazy considering that you're right. Everybody's like, where did Wes Walker go? Because he wasn't catching 10 a game anymore. He was only catching like four or five. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Emotional victory. Maybe the game of the day. Indianapolis knocking off Green Bay late. Huge day for Reggie Wayne. 13 catches, 212 yards, and the winning touchdown with 35 seconds left in the game. Packers missed a 51-yard field goal. Big upset, big dog, and, of course, the emotion behind the game. Indianapolis' coach Chuck Pagano watching from the hospital as he just recently found out he's got leukemia. This game had everything, my friend. And uh, Reggie Wayne, who is uh, uh, the consummate veteran on the on the Colts, and he's, I guess, probably the oldest player on the offense. Chuck Pagano was his offense coordinator at the University of Miami, and he's really close to Pagano. And he goes out and has the greatest game in his career yesterday and ends up uh, having a phenomenal play at the end zone where he gets the ball across to actually win the game for the for the Colts. So mm-hmm. that's pretty cool, Coach, that you would uh, – uh, that like, I don't know, that you would have – considering how many great games Reggie Wayne has had with, with Peyton Manning, the fact that he has like the greatest game he's ever had statistically in, yeah. uh, in, in the game where he wants to play big for his for his coach who's in the hospital dying, basically fighting for his life right now. Yep, yep, very emotional, cool story for sure. Reggie Wayne, um, if he retired right now, Big Dog, or at the end of the year, is he on the precipice of Hall of Fame or not quite there yet? You know what? His, his numbers are so good, Coach. But it, it's like getting like just because you get ten thousand yards receiving does not mean you're a medic like Hall of Famer anymore. Because I mean that's going to happen a lot. He was never all pro or incredible. He does make some incredible catches. And by the way, he's got the greatest catch of the of the year so far. I think was Reggie Wade yesterday. He made a phenomenal one-handed catch from from Andrew Luck. I, I'm going to have to say. No, coach. Close, but right now on the outs. Very close. Yeah. Okay. Ah, moving right along. Moving right along. Four great years with Andrew Luck. He will. How about that? Yeah, I don't know if he's got four more in him. The guy's got to be like thirty-five, thirty-six. Well, thirty-four, anyways. Uh, So that might be pushing a year or two, four or five. I'm not sure, but he's he's close. Keep an eye on that for sure. But uh, moving along here in the NFL, round them, round them up and wrap them up at the Atlanta Falcons. 24, the Redskins 17. This is a pretty good game, pretty hotly contested. Uh, RG3, Robert Griffin, the third big dog, out in the first half with a concussion. Redskins hang in, but a late touchdown. Michael Turner burst into the end zone from 13 yards out. Atlanta wins it. They're 5-0, and first time ever in the history of the Atlanta franchise. They go 5-0. and They're rolling, my friend. Yeah, first time ever for them. And uh, Matt Ryan with a little trouble early. The, the Falcons could not score early on. They could basically get all their points in the second half. And uh, the play of the year so far in the NFL, Ryan Kerrigan for the for the Redskins, their defensive end, the guy that was uh, the silver football winner yep. in, at at, uh, at Purdue in the Big Ten, he made an interception yesterday that was as good of a play as you will ever see. He read the screen, Ryan threw the ball, and Kerrigan came out of nowhere, jumped real high, caught the ball, and returned it for a touchdown for the Redskins. That, that was the only score of the game for like the, at least the first 25 minutes of the game, Coach. Mm-hmm. It was 7-0 the Redskins the whole time. I have not seen the replay of that. got to check it out, but I remember I lost the love. I kind of had a love-hate thing with Ryan Kerrigan in the Big Ten because I used to love watching him play and respect the, uh, the motor and the intensity and the relentlessness upon which he played, but I used to hate it when he played my Northwestern Illinois teams because he would consistently destroy us. But um, 
I got to catch a replay of that. By the way, here's another stat. David Olson, remember, you know, Washington Redskins at home. That at one of the great home atmospheres in all of football. I think I read correctly. That's the eighth consecutive. All the money Daniel Snyder has put into the Redskins, eight straight home loss for the Washington Redskins. Wow. Wow. That's sad. Wow. Actually, it's not that sad because that's what you get for trying to overpay for a team. But the Redskins have lost eight times in a row. They still Is it still called RFK? No, no, it's FedEx Field Coach. Ah, when did they change that? So, they moved. They, they, they went into a 90,000-plus seat arena that is sold out with season tickets. They're all sold. So, yeah, 90,000 people are plus are paying $200 a game to watch eight straight losses. <laughs> all right. Well, at least they're not watching Rex Grossman anymore. Pittsburgh. And- no, no, he, oh, by the way, yeah, he was, wasn't was even on the active roster yesterday. When, that's no. her cousin was. So Rex Grossman is now the practice quarterback yeah, for the Reds. Joke all you want. The guys, you know what? He's hung around the NFL for 10 years, and he's proven himself at least to, uh, you know, never became a star, but it's not like he just completely bottomed out. He hung around, made a nice living for himself, and uh, at a few times in his life became a starter in the NFL. So, And he started in the Super Bowl. Yep. Yep. All right, let's quickly move along here. Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, another great ball game, the Battle of Pennsylvania field goal kicker by the name of Sean Shushem. Not sure if I got the pronunciation right, but Sean Shushem tries to say that five times in a row fast. Hits a 34-yard field goal at the buzzer. Tight ball game, big dog. A couple of big fumbles by Michael Vick, one of the concerns there. But somehow, some way, the Steelers pull out a victory. Yeah, uh, Sean Sweezem. Sweezem? Yeah, that's it. Sweezem if you got him. Yeah, uh, Michael Vick, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness, is that dude overrated. Three fumbles yesterday. It, I don't know what it – you know, because he still has all those electrifying runs and he can throw the, the ball a million miles. You know, everybody loves the guy and, you know, he's not consistent. If you put the ball on the ground that – if you throw that many interceptions and put the ball on the ground that many times, you're not a good quarterback. The first and – Foremost, the first job a quarterback has to do is take care of the football, not anything else. That's number one, rule number one. And if you can't do that on a consistent basis, week in and week out over a 16-game season, then you're not good. And Michael Vick is the most overrated player in the game. And speaking of like pay too much money, uh, uh, what do you call it? The guy from Lurie from Philadelphia gave Michael Vick a hundred million dollars, and like 45 million of it was guaranteed. One of the dumbest contracts in football history. They're stuck with him. Wow. Meanwhile, Kevin Kolb, the guy they got rid of, was winning yeah, games. Yeah. For the... yeah. Takes care of the football down yeah. for the Arizona Cardinals. Of course, they lost on, on Thursday night. Yeah. But, yeah, he's had a much better season than Michael Vick has so far. Yeah. All right. Giants knock off Cleveland 41-27. to Huge day for Ahmad Bradshaw. He fumbles. I think the first time he got the ball, he fumbled. Yeah. Looks like, oh, boy, this could be a rough day. He ends out gaining two. Hundred yards. The Browns are zero and five. Big Dog and Bradshaw has a career day. Yeah, that that one has to really sting for the Browns because you have Trent Richardson. I don't I don't know what happened because I was watching NFL Red Zone. So uh, Trent Richardson early on they were they were showing a lot of that game on the Red Zone and they kept feeding him the ball and he was just running it down the throats of the Giants and all of a sudden they have a fourteen up the lead. And I noticed that Richardson wasn't getting that many carries anymore. You have a lead and a power back 
you use that power back until you find out that he definitely cannot carry you to victory at that point, especially when you have a rookie quarterback. We throws a couple interceptions, and Giants end up blowing out the Browns. Uh, by the way, Victor Cruz had three touchdown catches for all you fantasy fans out there. He had a big game as well. Miami, yeah, you know, the Minnesota Vikings are widely acclaimed as a surprise team in the NFL this year, big dog rightfully so. you got to put Miami second on that list. They beat Cincinnati at Cincy, 61,000 a rare. Sold out, full house, a lot of enthusiasm now for the Bengals in Miami. Quietly comes in there, nothing spectacular, big dog, but they find a way to win 17-13. This for a team that a lot of us, myself included, thought might be, at the beginning of the year, the worst team in the NFL, the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, the, the Vikings and the Dolphins, Coach. Uh, the, the Vikings, I didn't think were horrible, but, I mean, they're 4-1, they're and then the, the Dolphins have won two games already. I'm shocked. That they're what they're two and three, and that, to me, that's a really good start for them. I did not expect them to be that good. So, wow. All right, San Francisco knocks off Buffalo, forty-five to three. Similar score as the Bear game. 49ers roll. The defense outstanding, but uh, I think the the stat that shines out the most, Big Dog, a professional but certainly not dynamic San Francisco 49er offense rolls up six hundred. Plus yards of offense, Frank Gore and Alex Smith leading the way. Um, yeah, this I'm not knocking the 49ers with this because they have a really good offense, and and if they could take advantage of of getting the ball down the field to Randy Moss and, and Vernon Davis with their power running game, like mix that up, they can put up they can have some big yardage games. But it's the Buffalo Bills. So you, you talk about throwing money around early with Daniel Snyder. They gave how much money did they give Mario Williams? I think they gave him a hundred million dollar contract. Hasn't exactly well, he, made a big impact. Yeah, he's got like two, he's got two tackles. And for the first time since the AFL was around, coach, it was the AFL team the last time this happened. A team has given up more than 500, 550 yards in consecutive weeks because the Buffalo Bills did that last week too. They gave up 550 to someone. Ouch. They gave up 606. So like the 49ers obviously played a real good game. They gained 600 yards, but. The Bills may have a little bit to do with this. <laughs> Coach, they're, uh, they've been part of the equation. It's too bad the, the Bears don't have them on their schedule. Coach in the good. hot seat, the Buffalo Bills defensive coordinator. Probably yes, I would, I, would, I would say so. Not sleeping at all. Final game we'll talk about, the Minnesota Vikings. They're tied with our very own Chicago Bear. Uh, we mentioned it on Friday, Big Dog, that if both teams win, suddenly the Viking-Bear game, which at the start of the year, I don't think that was the primary game everybody circled, but all of a sudden, you got two puppies on the Bears' schedule, Vikings, Bears, Bears at Vikings. You want to circle, those could be big games. Minnesota wins convincingly, convincingly yesterday, 30-7, to and Christian Ponder again, solid if not spectacular. Yeah, and that's, that's also a little scary for the NFC North because, you know, it's one thing for the you know, a team early on in the year with, with some talent and no expectations to go out and beat a couple teams, but uh, the Vikings were supposed to put a beat down on the Tennessee Titans. And they went out and they just put a beat down on the Tennessee Titans. So if they could win with their expectations, too, maybe the, uh, the Vikings are for real. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the NFC North is a legit division, is all I can tell you, Coach. Mm-hmm. All right. NFL Roundup up, wrap them up, up, brought to you by. Anybody interested in sponsoring the NFL Roundup up, wrap them up contest that are contact us at our administrative offices? Quality sponsorship is available, Big Dog, for. Uh, very reasonable prices. You can contact us at Mike 
Two Guys at AOL.com. That's M-I-C and the number two. Mike, two guys, AOL.com. Very nicely done. Dog, couple of minutes left. Uh, you mentioned Chinatown in your description of something that happened this weekend. Uh, they showed Chinatown a lot during the Chicago Marathon, 45,000-plus runners. Congratulations to the uh, runners out there. Phenomenal accomplishment to get across the line, whatever place you were in. But, boy, they had the reporter in Chinatown and just watching the people out there and watching the racers. I don't want to get too corny, but it was one huge chunk of the best that America has to offer. It was a melting pot, but everybody was upbeat, cheering, enthusiastic, friendly. It was it was, it was was just a nice slice of Americana. I thought I would mention it. Now, did they, where did they run through? Did they run through <laughs> Chinatown or around Chinatown? I'm pretty sure. All I know they is they ran around. They didn't, yeah, they didn't go neat, like in Chinatown. I know that. There was a banner that said "Welcome to Chinatown." There was a big crowd down the road. I couldn't tell what road it was. Did they run down Halstead? Now, you know what? I got to check. But I just, know they went down 35th Street, so they were like they went east-west down 35th Street. But I, I just enjoy the Chicago Marathon. I think it's. Uh, Again, just a good you – know, we don't have enough things like that in this fine country. Good, upbeat, enthusiastic, everybody peppy, everybody cheering each other on, and no controversies. It was good to see. And and very multinational. I mean, everybody was out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know you, you didn't didn't have enough time to come down and hear my uh, – and hear my uh, – what do you call it? Uh, my historic – kayak tour coach i really appreciate no. that second year in a row you blew me off yep i apologize well i didn't make it down to the, i told you i couldn't get down there i had 20 22 kids uh homecoming teenage juniors in high school over at our house from 11 to 1:30, and then 11 of the guys sleeping over in the basement i didn't think my wife would appreciate it if i would have bowed out at that particular time uh, and, and gone to the and, and, so i'm saying well now you i am now the the chinatown chamber of commerce tour guide so now you're going <laughs> to if you okay. love Chinatown so much, you might want to come down there because I'm now the the ambassador right. for the for the neighborhood. All right. Well, I might just do that. Uh, in about a minute and a half, Big Dog, attempt to recap the baseball playoffs over the weekend. I don't know if you want to get into the infield fly roll. That might be best. I have thoughts, but we might want to bring that up tomorrow. What do yeah, you got? On, what do you got on baseball? That's, that's an umpire has to realize where he's at on the field. I think he's just like like he reacted like he was a third base umpire and not a left field umpire. You should not have called that an infield fly. Definitely not. Yep. And it, it's and just let you know. Just I, I'll, I'll end it here. The way umpires are trained to call infield fly rule is you're supposed to be able to do it immediately. Yep. You sh- the ball should be hit and you should be able to look up and be that ball should be caught. It shouldn't be up in the air. And you, if you have to wonder for a second, is this infield fly? Then it isn't infield fly anymore. I completely agree. Completely agree with everything you said. But again, similar to the. Replacement referee call in the Packers Seattle game. Uh, I have a thought that nobody else has spoken of. And to me, the problem is this unwritten rule in sports, or maybe it's written, that you can't change your mind if you know you made a mistake on a judgment call. The umpire, you could just see. He knew he made a mistake. But there's this unwritten rule. Oh, you know, it's a judgment call. You can't change when the umpire's huddled. They should have talked it out. No big deal. The ump should have said, you're right. I called it too late. The other guy should have helped him out. You talk to the two managers. I don't know if you can do this, big dog. If you can't, what I'm telling people is you should be able to in sports. Re, uh, a clear judgment error in a critical situation like that, they should have had the ability to change the call. That's the problem. 
especially because the mistake of the call didn't affect what happened exactly. whatsoever on the base pass. Yep. I mean, it, it was almost it's it kind of like the the Packer Seahawks game where since the game was the time was out after that, you really could go back and be like, you know yep. what, he didn't catch the ball. The Seahawks. Yep. They have a lot. How much would Mike Matheny have argued if they uh, they called both managers out? Look, Mike, I know he raised his hand, but it didn't affect the runners. It was you know, we called it too late. Mistake. We're going to go bases loaded. One. How much would St. Louis have argued? Uh, I'm just going to say it as simple as this: that St. Louis would have played the game under forfeit. Under uh, uh, I mean, under yeah, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what do that's, you call it? That's my take on the on the whole. I completely agree. It was a it was a mistake, and I think the ump realized it too. And I, I just think there needs to be a way where human error, a good umpire, a good referee should be able to admit it, and they should be able to change it. Bottom line is, you want to make the call right, especially in a critical situation like that. You know, that was the only call as an umpire that I ever worried about was making the the instant fly rule call right. Seriously, ever. Yep. Boy, that bothered me. Yep. All right, Bindo, great go. stuff we got. We'll talk tomorrow, especially a lot of college football, okay? Yeah, sounds good, everyone. Later. All right, there he is, the pride and joy. You want to know about Chinatown? He's your man. Folks in the city of Chicago, the big dog, Joel Redwanski, also known as this year man. Uh, tomorrow, 10 o'clock, we'll do it all over again. Have a great day, everybody.